the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. My late friend and mentor, Bishop Cahoon, once referred to the woman at the end of today's gospel as the woman who changed the subject. Jesus performed an exorcism, proclaiming the presence of the kingdom of God, and then trounced his enemies in the subsequent debate, but rather than repenting and putting her personal faith in Jesus, she shifted to another topic saying, how happy and proud your mother must be. This is a time-tested tactic for diverting, deflecting the personal implications of the gospel. For example, when a sermon issues an uncomfortable challenge to our lives, we can divert attention by proclaiming loudly how great the sermon was while doing none of the things that the sermon actually asked us to do. Or people talk about Jesus rather than trusting in him. Rather than confessing sins and asking Jesus for forgiveness, a person will start a conversation about the doctrine of justification by faith. Or the hearer will find a defect in the theology of the preacher that allows a person to ignore the things the preacher says that actually touch on the person's life. We do this because God's word and God's spirit shine a bright light on our lives, exposing our rebellion and deep wounds. Changing the subject enables us to hide from the light. The whole gospel for the third Sunday in Lent follows this pattern. Those who refused to acknowledge the presence of Christ and put their faith in him began to analyze the exorcism. Was this really the power of God? Others said, just show us one more thing. In the parallel account of this story in St. Matthew's gospel, Jesus says that this amounts to blasphemy against the Holy Spirit and the unforgivable sin. Jesus said, therefore I say to you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven men. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit it will not be forgiven him, either in this age or in the age to come. This is a difficult teaching, but the gist of it is not that hard to understand if we look carefully at the context. People saw the power of God at work, and they attributed it to the power of evil. Thus, to witness the power of God at work through the Holy Spirit and call that power evil, is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. It is unforgivable because this is precisely how people reject the call of the gospel on their lives. Blasphemy against Jesus is often uttered in ignorance and at a distance, but the witness of the Holy Spirit is personal. The Holy Spirit speaks to people with a specific revelation and a specific call to say no to that personal call is more serious and has lasting consequences. 
as Psalm 95 says, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Now, conversion of the heart to faith is often a ongoing and protracted process. Interim resistance or refusal to respond is not yet the unforgivable blasphemy against the spirit that Jesus is talking about. But final refusal is the unforgivable and eternal sin. And this is what the leadership of Israel ultimately became guilty of. The rejection of Jesus' witness followed by a 40-year rejection of the witness of the church in Jerusalem hardened into this sin. The result, according to Jesus, was the destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70 at the hands of the Romans. See Matthew chapter 23, verses 34 through 38, and Luke chapter 19, verses 41 through 44. The temptation to change the subject surfaces in Lent. Even though we have come to faith in Jesus and believe in him, we still use various tactics to avoid what God is saying to us. For example, as we fast, God begins to reveal things about us, our unhealthy attachments, and more threateningly, the hidden and buried emotions and traumas that lie beneath those attachments. When this light begins to shine too brightly, we avoid what the Holy Spirit is saying by shifting the topic to something else. One typical Lenten diversion is to focus on the details of the fast, our successes, faults, and failures, rather than on the work that God is doing within us through the fast. Thus, if someone is asked, how is Lent going? A typical response might be, not very good. If someone asks why, the answer will be something like, I committed to giving up this, that, and the other thing. I haven't been able to do any of it, so the fast is a complete bust. But this is really a diversion from the main point of the fast. The fast is not an exercise in human willpower. The sole purpose of the fast is to detach from things in order to facilitate the interior work of God in our lives. <clears throat> if we take our focus away from the interior work of God in our lives and instead focus entirely on what we are doing or not doing, we divert attention from God's work to our merely human labor. A focus on the mere details can also err in the other direction. To embrace the fast, perform one's disciplines perfectly, and arrive at Easter with large head and puffy chest is equally to miss the point of the fast. The best versions of the fast challenge and expose our weaknesses, but lead us to persevere through the stumbles. Like a child who falls while learning to walk, we will get back up and start walking again. The sweet spot is a combination of revealed weakness and perseverance. 
the revelation of our weakness increases our dependence on Jesus. Perseverance continues the exercise nonetheless. Our failures reveal things. They should lead us to ask, why have I not kept my discipline? Was it unrealistic? Am I more attached to things than I thought I was? Is my life more centered on my own natural efforts than it is on my prayer and the grace and power of God? The weakness revealed through failure should lead to renewed prayer that asks Jesus for the strength to do what we cannot do by our natural labor alone. Then we should start the exercise again. When we focus on what God is doing, failure leads to prayer, which leads to growth. This is the fruitful labor of Lent through which we are formed into the image of Christ, and Lent itself is a microcosm of the entire Christian life. The really good news of Lent is that God's grace will change us and make us stronger if we persevere in our disciplines of faith. We cannot do it by ourselves, but we can do it with Jesus in the Spirit. God's presence makes our inadequate labors to be fruitful. As Philippians 2, 12 and 13 says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. So don't change the subject in your Lenten disciplines. Keep your focus on what God is saying to you and what God is doing in your life. If you fall, get up. If the light shines on something that you're uncomfortable with, don't be afraid to look at it. Your revealed weakness will increase your faith. Your perseverance will further God's work in you. As Jesus said in the gospel to the subject changing woman, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.